Welcome to the Hillbilly and the Hipster. My name's Chad McCool, and I'm joined, as always, in studio with my brother from another mother, Andy Crow. Andy, Hola. how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, too. And, and Andy, we got something a little special today. We're, we're not alone in studio. You are not alone. Gotta stop. I am here with you. (laughs) Though you're far away. I'm done after that. I don't remember the rest. (laughs) Well, joining us this episode is um, Mr. St. Galgano Armory himself. Oh, we introducing him early. We're introducing him early. We're gonna we're gonna bring him in. He's been part of the dumpster fire for a while now. He is I the believe he's one of the flame, one of the, the hype man of the podcast. He may be one of the original fires. He might be. He's one of our he's one of our longest listeners. Not named Doctor Wife. I, I think maybe. my I think maybe. my wife my wife is OG listener from day one. Ish. So yeah, so you got our wives. You maybe have maybe Appalachia fan beating. He's but, he's pretty early. Yeah, he's but not uh, not by not by I much. I mean, no. You, 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 I think you're meddling, man. I think you're on the the podium. I don't know if that's something to be proud of with us. <laughs> but welcome to the podium, my friend. You, you can choose what do you want to be in the dumpster fire. Are you a possum or a raccoon? <laughs> Have we, Welcome, have we Dumpster shown... Fire Nation. You know, I'm the one who coined us a nation, so I'll just embrace That's it. right. Have we shown him some of the, uh, the mock-ups not. for our new... No. I'll, I'll, I'll send them to you here later. Some mock-ups that we have for a potential secondary logo. Nice. That's right. Or you maybe did just coin... a new logo altogether. You did coin the Dumpster Fire Nation. That is correct. So and you know, you for keep... that, I'm grateful because Dumpster Fire Nation is pretty tight. That's right. How are you, Keith? How's it going? I'm doing good. Just staying busy, you know, getting back from the Christmas vacation, still recovering from the Christmas hangover there for a while, <laughs> starting to get back out into the shop and do some stuff. How, how was the, how was the vacation, man? It was good. Drive was really, really long, especially two kids, but we broke the first trip in uh, three days. We got to stop at Roswell. That was pretty awesome. It's a fun little tourist town. Oh, yeah. Roswell's so many, fun. So many things. Yeah, oh, Roswell's yeah. fun. That McDonald's there that looks like a U- that shaped like a UFO. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. It was crazy. My kids had a blast. They oh, had all I bet. The stuff all over the place, holding up signs. It was pretty cool. We stayed at this uh, place called the Alien. The Alien. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Did you did you try to to bust through Area Fifty One? No, I did not. Um, I I figured against it. Yeah, it might not be such a good idea. Did you at least? Did you at least contemplate doing it? I thought about it. I was I'll like, see, I'll well, take it. I was like, it's the same bag, thing. A for firearm. Is it Area Fifty One in Nevada? It's yeah. Roswell's the alien place, and Area Fifty One's in Nevada. I thought. Yeah, it's not. Well, I don't need yet. your judgment. Go back over in the corner. Yeah, Area Fifty One <laughs> is in Nevada, but why like, am I here? The space or something like that. It, it's like close to Roswell. So I, I lived in, in southwestern Colorado for a while in this this area of San Luis Valley. And the the young guy that the young man that worked for me, um, he'd always tell us, and, and there's a museum in this town in Alamosa about how they there was UFO sightings and they had this platform that you could climb up to go watch UFOs and they had some cow that had gotten burned. The skin off of it had gotten burned by a UFO. And one day I was like, 
this i was like no there's no ufos he's like yes they are there you you see them out here and i was like let's look at a map here's here's cheyenne mountain here's norad the air force base out in colorado springs here's roswell new mexico and here's area 51 right all the the pretty secretive air force bases and here's it's like a triangle within a vicinity of this area where they can come you know where there's all open space and they and and the military even talked about how they were running tests on like low altitude flying and things like that and then to deal with the mountains i was like these are these are military planes that you're seeing these are not ufos and he stopped for a minute He's like, well, that makes sense now that I see this. But no, nah, man, they're UFOs. <laughs> I couldn't so, so I'm going to say this, and I'm going to preface it by, I, I mean no offense to anybody when I say this. Uh-oh. Um, if I offend you, I'm sorry. But let's be honest. Of all the people you see, well, one, all the people you see interviewed on the news for a lot of things, you, you almost question, what are we doing? They come from your neck of the woods, I have I, to say. Come yeah. on, let me tell you what the tornado sounded like. Or Arkansas. Same thing. Um, but of all the people that the aliens, uh, I'm going to say that in quotes, the, the aliens um, could visit and abduct and probe or whatever it is that they seem to do, I don't know that Toothless Willie from down in the holler is who they're going to choose. Well, I can't yeah. really blame him. Do you see what's on Capitol Hill? It's not much better. Toothless okay. Willie might be, he's, he might have the truth, but I'll Look, tell you this. I might vote for Toothless Willie for president at this point. Here's but hot like, take time. You ready for my hot take? Here we go. There's no such thing as aliens or UFOs. It, they're demonic. They're demons. Speaking of UFOs on the way out on the trip, it was kind of funny because uh wait a, wait to just take it back, Keith. Wait to take back the conversation. But we're cruising along and my youngest, she's all in the paranormal stuff. She's like, Daddy, the UFO is like, No, babe, it's not. And she's like, Yes, it is. Why is it falling? I'm like, honey, that's the moon. <laughs> no, it's not. The sun's coming out. Honey, that's the moon. Yeah. And she's like, Oh, it was the moon. <laughs> You, yeah. you get you get out here in the, the mountain west and the southwest and, and the moon never never sets exactly. they're both in the sky at the same time yeah that was the first time she saw it. she's like oh and then she laughed about it like two days later you thought you remember when i thought the moon was a ufo daddy <laughs> yeah, i'm buying i'm buying your kids spaceships now that's all there is to it <laughs> well if you've got spaceship buddy i want to get in on that racket too toy spaceships sir toy oh. spaceships oh okay i thought you knew if i had real that. if i had real spaceship money do you think we'd be doing this podcast? Well, I think yes, but I think we'd have a studio and we'd, we'd be probably have a studio time. where we're we're together. If I had spaceship money, I don't. Be we'd be broadcasting it on cable. <laughs> the studio, literally, we'd build it like a dumpster. There you go. I just think we have a dumpster in the studio. But no, it's got to be classy. We're not buying it. We're better than that. If we got spaceship money. <laughs> this is a classy dumpster all right none of that green stuff i don't want it green no it's platinum baby platinum. we're gonna have we're gonna have house broken possums and raccoons just <laughs> running everywhere uh, see this is the point of the show that dr wife is like oh you guys need a producer i am the producer and this is the point of the show where dr wife should realize 
This is the same idiotic conversations we were having when we were sitting on your back porch. That's a that's a bad, very valid point. <laughs> she oh, got a live. She had she got a live podcast the last time I was out there. She did, and uh, you know. Well, Andy, let's get to business. Let's We've get got some Keith business. here, and we are businessmen, right? We are men of business. The hillbilly and the hipster headquarters. You know, we're 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 expanding. We're we're titans of the podcast industry. So let's do some business, sir. Yeah, let's talk about it real quick. So if you haven't already figured it out, this podcast, this episode of the podcast, um, and many other episodes is sponsored by St. Gargano Armory. That's me. That is you. (laughs) They are the premier destination for handcrafted blacksmith merchandise. They use traditional techniques to create unique and stunning pieces, each one embedded with the spirit of St. Gargano himself. Each item is a work of art, crafted with care and attention to detail. St. Gargano Armory believes that quality and authenticity are paramount, and that's why they use the finest materials and take pride in their commitment to traditional craftsmanship. The products that they make are not only beautiful, but are functional. We use them often. Uh, A portion of all sales goes back into the community, which is an awesome thing. So let me ask you this. Why settle for generic mass-produced items when you can own something that is hand-forged, unique, and goes and helps the community. So visit them at saintgalganoarmory.etsy.com today to browse their selection and see what you might need. Well, well I and, to correct you on one thing. Not totally, you know. There's uh, merchandise. There is blacksmith <laughs> merchandise as well. And apparel. And apparel. Merchandise and apparel. It's late. I'm ready for bed. I'm sorry. I messed that up. I got all excited and said the wrong <laughs> flipping word. Again. I told you. I'm muting. I'm muting my own mic. I have brought shame on this podcast. <laughs> well, welcome to the new hillbilly and the hipster. <laughs> but Andy, we are. Um, I think we're men, and we men are men. In tights. We are tight men who tights. use. No, nobody wants to see us in tights. We are men. Who use movie, blacksmith merchandise? We do and, use blacksmith. And now merchandise. we are we have a man who makes this blacksmith merchandise who goes to the forge. The forge is hot as the um, forge you've is very hot. The forge is hot. But I I was thinking a little bit about what's it like to be a man today? You know, and and, and especially to be a specific type of man, a, a conservative, a Christian. You know, I I think that we are definitely. Well, I've been told we're the devil. Well, I've been thinking about this. So, so you can't be the devil. That's my ex-wife. <laughs> Shots fired across the bow that I wasn't ready for. <laughs> <laughs> well, think about this. I, I was thinking about this. Think about TV, right? Let Let's focus on TV because I think we all we're of an age where. You know, and I'm I'm older than both you guys, but TV was sort of the the epicenter of family entertainment, right? Like TV were events. You 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 watched your shows. You know, you, with your family, you'd get together. You know, whatever it was Thursday nights, that was your time. Maybe PGIF, you got the treat. Man. Maybe Friday. you got the treat as a kid, and you know, you got to eat dinner in front of the TV. But those were events, and it wasn't all on demand like it is now. But I want you to think about TV in particular. Think about a man on a TV show, a father, a husband. What male TV character 
or can you think of a male TV character, a father, a husband, a patriarch of the family who was respected and wasn't shown as a doofus? Can you think of any? I got yeah. one. Who? I got one. Hank Hill. No, because Peggy Peggy doesn't respect him. No, but everybody else in the world does. Maybe. He he's Frank on the fringe. Castle. Maybe. Because you know, when he was a family man, he was an awesome family man. It wasn't until someone made him mad then he wasn't a very nice person. Who yeah. who did you say again? I'm sorry. Frank Castle. Okay. Carl Winslow. Yeah, but he still got I, I, I think so the thing about that to me, I'm thinking it's it's Cliff Huxtable. It's it's Bill Cosby. Because like his family respected him. Now I'm not saying Bill Cosby, I'm talking about the character. Well, I'm fully okay. aware, but I don't know that we can <laughs> the views expressed by Jan McCool. I think Ogano Army would like to say that this episode of the podcast has been deleted and the show was discriminated. <laughs> this this episode. But I'm talking about the character, right? He his family respected him. He had he had a good job. Like he his wife respected him. And if it's not Cliff Huxable, then it's it's um it's Charles Ingalls from Little House on the Prairie. Right? What Where about he, Andy Griffin? Yeah, but uh, like that's before our time. You don't think Little House on the Prairie is before our time? It was live when I was a kid. Well, I was watching know. first run episodes. That yeah, show you went, were their next door neighbor. That show went to like 1990 or something. That show I was their next door neighbor. <laughs> oh, Welcome to the hillbilly, because that's all that's left now. <laughs> no, but what do you, I mean, look at how culture depicts men now, right? If you think about the, the most popular sitcoms, right? Let, let's look at sitcoms. The husbands are always kind of doofuses. Mm-hmm. They're not respected by their family. They're kind of, they goof, they goof through life. They don't really have any kind of purpose or maybe purpose isn't the right word, but they don't really have a path. I mean, now, I don't know. The you thing guys... that I would teach my kids is like the first and most important thing about a man going back to Andy's comment is the first thing a man does is honor and worship God. Amen. And that's one of the things that Hank Hill does very much. You know, the second thing man does is fights for his family. That's, you know, he's, he works hard, provides yeah. for him, takes care of him, you know, fights for him if needed, you know, takes care of everything within the house. You know, I didn't think about Hank, but Hank Hill might now, now I think about it. Cause even though Peggy um, cuts him down a lot, but there are those times, right. Where Peggy's his defender, like she, she's ready to cut somebody to, oh, to protect Hank. Well, yeah. Cause no one else can mess with her husband, but she can. That's right. That's true. And Hank does because I my favorite episode is like, you know what's not cool, Bobby? Hell. <laughs> uh, so, uh, full disclosure, I'm re-watching that episode right now and um, not that episode, but that series, and so that's why that came to me so quick. But, uh, yeah, I just, I think it. he tries so hard to be the best example he can be for Bobby. Now he may he may suck at it at times, but he has convictions that he that he holds fast to. Oh yeah, there's no shades of gray, right? And Hank he feels very black and white. He's he's very much the ultimate. He's committed to Peggy. 
Um, an episode I, I watched the other day was when, when the female cop was coming oh, yeah. on to him, yeah. and like he, and then a couple, you know, maybe a season before that, where Buck's wife was trying to get back at oh, Mr. Yeah. Strickland, where, where she uh, was trying to get in. So she like they try to make soup. Hank was Joseph. Make, Hank yeah. was Joseph of Potiphar's wife. Yeah. And so, but you know, they they look at him funny when he figures out what's going on. He's just baffled and disgusted because he only has eyes for Peggy Hill. Yeah. Um. Oh, and they accuse him of murdering Debbie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, I mean, you look at it. He's he holds true to his convictions. You know, he tries to keep his friend group in line. And let's let's talk about that. Like, who's the first person in any of those episodes when something goes wrong? Who's the first person that jumps in and takes care of it? Me. Oh, we're talking about Hank. No, in, in in the show, in the show, buddy. It's no, generally like, it's generally Hank. Sometimes Dale intervenes and it goes awry. I don't know that Dale's helping though. Hey, like, he's not you, helping. You look at it when when Bill has his breakdown over Lenore. Right. Well, which one? <laughs> the one where he he starts dressing up as Lenore. I don't oh, know that, how this that one. I, I've that I've, one. Hi, I've hijacked this this episode now. This is the Hank, Hank Hill episode. This is, but no, it's good. I mean, you know, because I, I I think there are some real. I, I think it's okay. Like it, you know, and you make a really good point. If we go back to like sitcoms and mainstream television over the last twenty years, like. The only other one that would be a weird thing would be like Tony Soprano, and he's not a good guy. He doesn't have the values, right, that 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 Hank Hill has, but he's faithful to his family, or, well, maybe not faithful, but he's, you know, faithful loves his family stretch. and stuff like that. Yeah, faith, faithful is a stretch. But no, Hank, I think in the last, the last 20 years, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's a cartoon. It's a cartoon man who is probably the, more of a man than half of society right now. Yeah. I just thought another one that, you know, doesn't you'd probably be overlooked, but if you think about it, would be going uh Al Bundy. Because he might have sat here and knocked the piggy down and made all his complaints and this and that. But there are plenty of episodes where he was totally hundred percent loyal to Peggy and all this and that. He always yeah. went to work for the menial job, bribe for his family. He complained about it and this and that. Which one of us who doesn't? But he always was there for his kids, tried to do stuff for his kids and, and that- I remember watching, I may not have watched the whole thing, but I remember episodes and even though the kids mocked him and even Peggy mocked him, they all seemed to come exactly. back together at the end. And the yeah. funny thing about, about Al Bundy is too, is that that's like sort of the, even though that shows, I guess that shows 30 years old now, I guess it is a while. But, I remember watching that as I probably shouldn't have watched it as a oh, kid, yeah, but I, yeah. I remember like that was family entertainment. Like I would sit there with Memo and Papa and, I'm assuming mom was there if she but wouldn't work. Al was a shoe salesman, and there was a time in his country when you could raise a family on being a career seller. You could be a shoe salesman. You could be a waiter. You could, you know, you and you could raise a family, buy a house and things like that. And that's that's impossible today. I, I, I think of my kids. I think of y'all's kids. Buying a house for them is going to be a stretch. Depending on where you live, absolutely. It's yeah. impossible here. And I just, I look at it like, I remember growing up, everybody's like, you got to get a college education. Well, Do the you? you don't now. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't and, think we, and, I, we didn't have to then either, but. No. But they, they've pushed college so hard that bachelor's degrees don't mean what they used to mean. No. 
Well, exactly. And now, now that everybody's going for master's, because we figured out like everybody's got a bachelor's, that didn't, you know. So now everybody's going after master's degrees, and and so that's not going to mean a hill of beans in fifteen, twenty, thirty years. Well, that's a great point because I had my master's degree and we had the same job. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you know, it was just back in our parents' day, college was the key to success. You know, mm -hmm. you could just. As long as you had a degree, you could walk into any job, be upper management, be making, you know, six figures a year, no problem. Then the economy and everything took a turn. And, you know, now you're here with a master's degree asking if you want fries with that. Well, and I think that at, at some point, right, college was affordable. Like I went to a state college and it was probably, uh, you know, four to five thousand dollars a year that I paid for. That, that is now as a state school, that is a hundred thousand dollar education. Like today, and at some point when they made, you know, uh, financial aid accessible, and I, I don't necessarily consider, I know it falls under financial aid, but student loans are not really financial aid. They're just kind of like, you know, it's a layaway plan, really, they, on your they, degree. They really screw kids over. Well, and once they got into that business, once they they made that super accessible and pushed you into it, I think then, the you know, they they that's around the same time. You know, probably when I was when I was in high school and entering college age where they were like really pushing you have to go. Right. If you went to trade school, you were a degenerate. You were a delinquent. Right. The delinquent kids, the kids who were in trouble were the ones they pushed into the into the industrial arts. And those kids are like they're making a ton of money and had no debt, you know, and they could work for life and go wherever they are. But I think once they made like the loans accessible and opened that up and said, oh, now you can go. Not really telling you that you're going to walk out of here with, you know, 40, 50, 60 grand in debt when you're finished, then the the tuition rate skyrocketed. Like it's ridiculous what state schools charge. Well, you know, who called that first was that guy who does that, who did that show dirty jobs. He was oh, saying, uh, Mike Rowe. Yeah. He was saying back in the nineties that trade schools are going to be the wave of the future. Yeah. This is what you need to do. Yeah. I know a, a, a kid, he's a kid that my, my, my cousin's married to like, he's a welder like he learned it from from an old guy right taught him like you know the whole like apprenticeship and everything like that this kid can go wherever he wants like he literally can go work wherever he wants and he'll get work you know like he could just oh. i'm gonna yeah you know you want to go live in the beach go live in the beach and you'll get work and he'll, he'll make money because he's good at it yeah i mean dr wife works at a community and technical college and the programs that they have, if kids are smart, you know, and you have an interest in, in this kind of field of welding, of plumbing, truck driving, although I'm, we can go on about that later. But like, you know, those those blue collar jobs, you can go get your certificates or whatever, HVAC. And I mean, you're you're set. You're going to make more money than somebody generally a lot of places you'll make more money than somebody's with a bachelor's degree. Mm -hmm. Yep. Even somebody with a master's or like a I, yeah, or a master's. I, I, mean, I was, I was reading like this morning or yesterday courses from Harvard. So basically I think if you go to four years at Harvard, it's going to be like $300,000 and somebody's courses were um, basically like how to make an only fans and um, the queering of America 
Like these were education classes, and and it was some other ridiculous. But 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 universities and colleges aren't indoctrinating society. Well, wait, this is Harvard, though. Like, I'm, all right, I'm gonna say if you need to teach somebody how to make pornography, that's probably a community college class since you're teaching. Usually, community colleges handle either you know the 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 skills like to go out and do something like you're going to pay Harvard. These are classes at Harvard. Do I have to edit this out? <laughs> That's like top notch grade stuff there, man. You know, but think about it. You're shelling out $300,000. What is it? Kid. Rahab one oh one? Is that <laughs> that'd be better. <laughs> Rahab one oh one would be better. Right now, there's somebody listening going, "What? What is Rahab one?" And they're they're gonna look it up and it's like, "Oh, she was a prostitute." She was. God love her. She was. Hey, you know, but but that's the beauty. The beauty of Rahab and the story of Rahab in the Bible is that you know Jesus's bloodline, Jesus's genealogy, has a prostitute in it. Who's yeah. you know David's grandmother was a prostitute. You know, because well, Rahab, Rahab was Boaz's mom. And and the fact is, so when you think about your crazy family tree and you wonder what it's like, I mean, Jesus's family trees, no less jacked up than ours are. Well, let's look at it this way. Not only is is she in Jesus' genealogy, like it doesn't matter your past. Look mm-hmm. what God can do. Yeah. I mean, it it, it doesn't matter. Well, that's part of it was he was uh, he was also a man. He came down and, you know, embodied himself in a common layperson's lifestyle so we could better accept him and understand what he's going through, you know, so we have a better relationship with him. Amen. So then let's 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 go one step further. So we we've identified Hank Hill as the, if we will, the the prototype. It, of, so our Mount Rushmore's Charles Ingalls, Cliff Huxtable. Hank Hill. Hill. <laughs> it's not a bad. It's not a Mount Rushmore. Uh, we need one more. I don't right. know that I'd. Oh, I don't know that I'd, I don't know that I would. Oh, put Al, Al Bundy. Bundy on there. Al Bundy, Cliff Huxtable, Charles Ingalls. So yeah. So let's 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 go one step further here. Let's look at it today. As of recording this right now, it is I believe January eleventh. Yeah, January eleventh. Correct. Um, twenty twenty four. What does it look like, not only to be a man, because society's weird now, um, what does it look like to be a man of God and lead your family in 2024? Because I think what it takes is not what society says that we should be. And so where's the disconnect between society and what society says we should be and and what does it look like to be who we're called to be? Well, I mean, I could go back and I think that the the for me, I, I'm not trying to hog this, but I, I think the difference is, right, when you, we've heard this term thrown around, and this will be my hot take, this toxic masculinity. And I'm not going uh, you know, to bring are, it there, back. There oh, are men. Oh, my goodness. It's there, like we're in There are men who, are, who abuse that stuff, right? But most of the time that someone's labeled toxic masculinity or, or what's labeled as toxic masculinity are just have been normal masculine traits throughout history. And think about for, you know, even when 
you know, probably more so when you guys were little kids in school, I think it really peaked. Like they I understand. stopped, they stopped letting boys be boys in school. If boys acted up in school, they immediately needed to be medicated, right? They they had ADHD or something like that. And they had to be on, on Ritalin or something like that. Like they immediately squashed boys from being boys with, you know, and I knew somebody who, had kids are like, my kids are not going to have any toy guns. They're going to live this passive, you know, kind of hippie kumbaya lifestyle. And what is, what's the first thing kids do? They don't need a toy gun. We got <laughs> They fingers. make one in their fingers and they start, and he was lost his mind because he's like, there's something wrong with my child. I'm like, no, your child's a boy. <laughs> you know, your child's so, a boy. And, and I'll, I'm a caller out. Uh, doctor wife. Very, very uncomfortable around guns doesn't doesn't really like the to have them around and so she was leery about even nerf guns uh in, in the beginning and so now that our kids have an arsenal of nerf guns and and our oldest was wanting to learn to shoot and all this other stuff and so when we were floating ideas for christmas presents i kind of waited until it was almost too late and I said, "Hey, I think I th I'm going to get the boys BB guns. I'm going to go get them the little the little one pump Red Rider. You'll shoot your eye out." Did you hide it behind the radiator, like in the Christmas story? They didn't get it under the tree. No, I can't tell you where I hid it out of fear that my boys will listen to this episode <laughs> and then next year they will look there. Um, but like, and w what's funny about this is I was like, "Honey, nobody will get hurt. They will be okay." And the, the sheer excitement on their face when they opened it up and saw that they got the BB gun. Um, and then two weeks later, my youngest shot my nephew in the back of the head. So you win some, you lose some. But but I mean, yeah, boys will be boys. And, and I and think that's, that's a phrase that has been thrown out. Like We're not supposed to use that phrase anymore because that's just... And some of it, I think, rightfully so, it's been hijacked oh, for, absolutely. For, for horrible, you you know, the horrible things. Oh, they're just blowing off steam. Boys will be boys. But I, I do think that society's squashed masculine traits in boys at an early age to try to make them these sort of just, you know, I don't know, genderless or, or to try to push that, that that's not the way to act. And I think it's I think now you have a couple of generations now of, of young men who were told not to be like this and they have to behave away. And and so anything that's, it, it's funny because anything that's innately masculine gets squashed. But then I, I see some things like women making TikTok videos, like I, you know, liberal women who are like, I can't find any, any real men. I got all the men I date. <laughs> Or, you know, they're because they're they're looking at liberal men and they can't find any man. And I think that's why you see in pop culture sometimes that, you know, I, I so I, I mean, I think about, you know, like 25 years ago when the Sopranos came on the air, it's not like Tony Soprano was a, was even a good looking guy, you know, or or a good guy. And then all of a sudden, at least in North Jersey, women were like fawning over him because I think when they see anything that's innately masculine it's new to them and they're drawn to it because we've feminized men you know and the church has been a good good example of that i think the pulpits have been feminized by men and this isn't a, an issue about women pastors or men pastors i just think that 
you have a look at worship leaders in church. We'll, describe a worship leader. Um, Keith, being this is this is one advantage you have to to being Catholic. You don't get these worship leaders. What's a worship leader? The worship pastor in my church, yeah, is is rocking jeans, tennis shoes, and a flannel shirt. But what but kind not, of jeans? Not the not just Walmart jeans. Okay, but not the flannel. Not the not the popular flannel shirt. Like the the shirts that we would have wore regularly, like five or ten years ago. So, do you remember when we went to Orlando? Yeah. No. Yeah. What the worship know. leader look? It was hard to determine. The dress from the male worship leader to the female worship leader on the other things. They all well, wore the I same think, hat, the same scarves. I really think they just shared an outfit and just rotated it. <laughs> like, okay, so today I'm going to wear your jeans. Tomorrow I'm going to wear yours. But they're really the same jeans. Yeah. Like, you know, and so, and so here's the thing. I'm not saying, because I will be the first to admit I am not the most manly of men. Sure. Right. You you put me in front of a car and be like, you know, something minute, change the oil. And I'm going to be like, uh, no. Yeah. But I don't necessarily right? think that those things necessarily define you as a man. No, no. But I'm just saying. No, but I got you. Like, I'm not the most manly man. Yeah. But when raising my boys. um, They're probably not going to be the most into the most manly of things because. It's not who I am, right? Yeah. Um, we're we're big on sports, but we don't hunt. Uh, it's not because I'm against it; it's because I don't have the patience for it. Um, you know, we don't do stuff with cars, and I don't, you know, I don't catcall. But like, my boys will be raised and they're being raised. What is that like? Catcall women on the street? Yeah, yeah. Like, but nobody will... does that. I think that's a thing on TV. Whatever, TV's real life somewhere. Um, but you know, they're, they're being raised and, and I hit them with it every time they get in trouble. Like, I, I don't ask you to be perfect, but I demand that you be respectful. Right. And I think that's, I think that's one thing that society is missing mm -hmm. is, is strong male leadership, um, and leadership, male leadership in the home mm -hmm. that yes, like disciplining a kid is hard. Anybody that has kids, if if you don't agree that disciplining a kid is hard, you've probably never disciplined your kids, and that that's the problem. And they're running, right? they're but, running roughshod on you, right? If your kids are running your house, it's it's not the right way. But like disciplining your kids are hard. But I and and you know some people will say that I'm too hard on my kids, um, and there are times that I most certainly am, and I recognize that. Um, but I think it's important to have a strong male at home, male at home, who can show their kids, especially if you have boys. So so I'm going to do this both ways, right? Let's take me. I have boys. Right. And I was just it's thinking important. about that to touch base with Keith, because I think it's yeah. it's as important if you have girls. No, it, it most certainly is, because as a man, I'm raising my kids and I'm showing them how they should treat their future wife and how I treat my wife. I'm showing them what it means to show emotion and to love people and to follow Christ and this, that, and everything else and be respectful. And there are days and I, and there are more often than they shouldn't, they should be, but there are days that I utterly fail at that. Right. 
but much like I tell my boys, I don't demand perfection, but you will strive to be better. Jesus doesn't demand perfection. He says, follow. Right. And so let's look at Keith and Keith, you, I don't, I don't want to cut you off and you can jump in and, and anytime oh, now, but as, as a man with daughters, I don't have daughters. I've had foster daughters. I have nieces. Um, it is, it was my job to show them how they should be treated. Well, that's the same way with my girls. For example, like, you know, early on in my career, I was working halfway across the state. I was gone, you know, four days out of the week. I'd be home for three, 12 hour shifts. And, you know, my family knew when I came home, I was home. When I was gone, I was at work. But every single time I talked to my girls about it and like, do you know why I did it work so hard? Because you love us. I was like, yes, that's what a man does. He loves and takes care of his family. He will do what needs to be done to provide and protect his family. You know, and I do the same thing for my girls. You know, I mean, my wife is awesome. She could probably do better, but I try. And, you know, that's what I try to show my girls is, you know, this is how you should be treated, you know, because there's so much uh, negativity, especially in social media and things that are socially acceptable that are not correct. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's important as, as parents, we, we show them. And and you made a very good point. I'd like to point this out. Um, I don't know your wife super well. I think I've met her once or twice. Um, Chadwick, I, you know, I, I've talked to your wife uh, probably more than, than anything else um, on here and then on, on the phone a couple times. And then, you know, obviously I know doctor wife. Um, I think it is pretty fair to say that the three of us, to quote the the great philosopher Jerry Crow, uh, boy, I think you outpunted your coverage. <laughs> uh, I will never forget walking into my <laughs> rehearsal dinner at our wedding and my future father-in-law hugging me and saying that he was proud of me and he was glad to have me. Um, and then my grandfather putting his arm around me and goes, well... Son, you outpunted your coverage. <laughs> Don't screw this up. And then when she graduated, I could see your granddad saying that. And then when she graduated with her PhD, uh, he, you know, I sent everything to my family so they could watch it because it was during the COVID stuff. Um, and and Papa called and said, "Hey, remember what I said during your uh, <laughs> your wedding?" And I said, "Yeah." And he goes, "Well, it's even more now." And uh, could she write me a prescription for my back pain? <laughs> Can she? No, no, I ask. <laughs> Evidently, that's not the right right kind of doctor. Well, see, I think that goes along with part of being a man, though, too, is, you know, I'm not going to say what my, my father-in-law said to me on my wedding day out of fear my wife will hear this and she will castrate me. But, <laughs> you know, um, I think it's important, especially being a man and, being the head of the household and having children for you to find somebody who's truly like a partner, someone who makes you Absolutely. a better version of yourself. Someone, you know, because yeah. it was always like that in the Bible, in every situation, it was always the two work together to make the situation better. Well, what does it say? Like you're no longer two, but one? Yep. Yeah, two becoming one. Yeah. So, I mean, it's important that, you know, you see all these, and, you know, I'm not making a judgment call. I'm just making a point. You see all these people who are like 70 with a 19-year-old or <laughs> you know, all this and that stuff. You know, you need to, if you really want happiness, you need to find somebody who is like a partner and going to, you know, call you on your dumb stuff 
and be there for you when you're down and you do the same and, you know, help each other grow. If you're not helping each other grow, you're holding each other back. Amen. Do you guys, do you like in your, in your friend circles um, and maybe you, how many of, of men that you know are, you know, even are, are lead in their households are truly leaders in their households. Do you have a majority of, of men in your life who you think are, is it a minority? Is it kind of even split? I don't really have a whole bunch of friends. I think I'm looking at them now. So um, <laughs> you got to get out of the dumpster, bro. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, I just made me rethink some of my life choices. But <laughs> So that's You're hanging a, around with a possum and a raccoon, apparently. That's that's a really good question. Um, so I think anybody that knows me, and especially that knows me and Dr. Wife, like the running joke is like uh, she wears the pants. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but and and while that's true in a, in a lot of ways. um. I think that there's some deferment on things and and some calling me out when I don't do what I need to be doing. Sure. And she'll be like, you know, hey, as the spiritual leader of this household, why don't you do this? But I think that's and, her that's her role. Right. And that's what right, I'm saying. That, wife, that yeah. that's a it's a beautiful thing to have. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, if we're not evenly yoked, right? If if I'm a follower and she's not, then when I slip she's not going to grab me and put me in check so that I can get right. Yeah. She's just going to completely let me, let me slide on down that hill. Um, so, I, so there could be some miss. I can't think of the right word. Miss, uh, misjudgments on who does what and all that stuff. Um, by outside, but I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but I, I would say that I don't know to, to say, just to be blatantly honest, I don't, I don't know. So let me ask you this then, Andy, this one's more directed for you since we run in, we, we, we kind of run in similar circles. Um, I mean, I, I know if I know a good amount of guys when I ask you this question and I think maybe it's because I still run in, in, in a reformed circle. How many pastors do you know who are truly leading are are the leaders in their homes? Mm. Like the same ratio. And again, I think because I run in reform circles, I think there's more of us in and then that, that that then becomes a whole other can of worms on you know toxic masculinity and the patriarchy and all that other nonsense. But I mean, do you know pastors who aren't leading their homes? I you think we preach both on do. It? Oh, I, I, yeah, absolutely, and, and I think we know. And and this is this is so. Let me let me stop right here. Um, that was in no way pointed to anybody in particular. No, absolutely not. No, that was a generalized statement. That of course I know I know pastors who aren't running their household, and we know some of the same people, right? Who are, that yeah. that their that their household is is on the surface. It look you know quote Eminem on the surface it looks calm and steady and ready to drop bombs, right? But then underneath, it's it's quicksand. Yeah, you know that thing we're all terrified of in grade school. Um, and and you know, for those who are listening, you're probably like, oh, he's talking about so and so. I'm probably not the person. Yeah. I'm, you know, you know, it's I not can't think of anybody. 
in particular. I just, I just know people. Yeah. And so that's what I'm saying. Like, this isn't, I'm not in my head thinking of one in particular person when I say this, but no, I, I, we both know, and I, you know, Keith, you can hop in there too. You, you probably know men, um, men of the cloth, um, you know, leaders in the church that are leaders because they want a position of power and it's not, they're not fulfilling the role. And so I think it's important for us as men uh, in a, in a loving fashion. And so that's, that's another thing. Like men suck at showing emotion. Generally. Right? Yeah. We, we I look like I, you know, I, I try to, to make sure my kids hear me say, I love you often. You know, I try to make sure my kids hear me tell my wife, Ash, uh, Dr. Wife will make fun of me because she'll get up to leave the room to either like go to the bathroom or go upstairs. And I'm like, Oh, I love you. And she's like, I'm not leaving the house, Andy. And I was like, Oh, I can't just tell you. I love you. Good, good Lord. Psychopath. Um, but so, you know, I, I try to, but I think it's important that kids see us, show emotion but not just to them and not just to our spouse but you know our friends and I, I think the joke was made out of confusion uh you know I mean you get off phone what what do we say love you bye love you bye right so Turner one day was like why why do you tell Chad you love him and I, did you just get pie oh, I, no, got, I got a I got a meal no that's broccoli I got a meal. Oh, it's broccoli? That's that probably would be better. That's how we roll in, in the hipster part of the hillbilly and hipster <laughs> empire. I made uh I made homemade Alfredo sauce tonight. Oh, nice. Um anyway. Uh but you know, uh, Turner was like, Why why are you telling Mr. Chad that you love him? And I was like, Well, I do love him. She goes he goes, Yeah, but that isn't that weird? I go, Is it? And so then I get to thinking like you look at society and you look on TV and men don't do that. You know, you get the cool, like, I'm going to shake your hand. We'll give you the little side hug. And we go about that's, that's the only affection men show. And so, you know, I, I try to, I think it's, it doesn't make you less of a man to show emotion. No. And, and, you know, it's interesting because where I grew up, I grew up, basically in, in a you know on the east coast you know or surrounded by a lot of like european immigrants or or at least you know just one or two generations removed from truly european immigrants and so where i come from men hug right it's not you know it's just the way it is and as i moved west i realized that's less and less and so it was you know it was interesting like when i moved to ohio and i was like yeah you know, i had some friends and they're like like dude why'd you hug me like I don't know, are we not supposed to do that here? I don't know. Like that's, that's how it was back, uh, you know, back where well, I came. And, from. and full disclosure, like I dislike shaking hands. Yeah, um, that's more for <laughs> that's that's cleanliness. The germaphobe uh, in me doesn't like it. Um, but I will. I'll hug the crap out of you. Like I, I'm a hugger. Yeah. Unless I think you'll shoot me, Keith. <laughs> Which is probably why I've never hugged you. <laughs> yeah, but it's... no, I, I go ahead. No, I don't. No, go ahead. No, I no, no. Say it's important for uh, families and children to see that unification, though, because going back to what you were saying earlier about wearing the pants in the family, 
it's the same way at my house here. I don't view as either one of us wear the pants. I, you know, view and I consider us a team. Uh, That's right. We work I just together. avoid wearing pants. Uh, exactly. But, you know, because <laughs> we're, you know, save that. Say you're going to cut that out and save that one. You know, I, I got, I'm taking Monday off. I got a long weekend after Sunday. So um, I may do some work. <laughs> <laughs> Where you was know, your it's pants? like, you know, I have my faults. She has her faults. We fill each other's gaps. And it's, you know, even Oh, though, you just quoted Rocky. exactly. Yes. But even, even though, uh, you know, we have our normal family issues and this and that, everyone in this house knows that we all love each other and stuff goes real and stuff gets sideways. We all automatically know what we need to do, how we need to function. And we operate as a team because we all know and love and care for each other. Amen. And And realistically, having I think that leadership is important. if society would function like that, we'd be in a much better place than where we're at right now. We were talking uh, before uh, in, our, in our tailgate, if you will, our pre-show prep, that a lot of times has nothing to do with what we're going to talk about. And really, this at the time didn't. Um, but we're talking politics, right? Republicans and Democrats and the Whig party and all this other stuff, which by the way, like if I were to ever become a judge, I would wear the powdered wig. Well, sir, those wigs were W-H-I-G, the Whig Party. No, I'm fully aware, <laughs> but it just popped into my head. oh, you just want to wear wigs. I got I you. just, I just want to wear a powdered wig. Uh, anyway, back to my point. I think If the leadership politically, right, if they would take a step back and stop with this, everybody is Hitler, everybody is a horrible person if you don't agree with me, um, and if we could find some common ground and just, you know, freaking love each other, I think society might run a little better, and it wouldn't be near as divided as it is today. Well, part of that, I think, is it started to happen when they took God out of, like, the schools. They took God out of the money. They took their move God from us. You know, God is love. And where there is love, there is God. And we don't have that reminder now. It's, like, non-existent. You're no, you're absolutely right. And because of that, there's no grace. And Exactly. partly I think that that calling everybody Nazis, right? If if so we all can pretty much be in agreement. I mean, I'm talking about real Nazis. We all can pretty much be in agreement about how we feel about Nazis, right? I think most Oh, absolutely. most of society, we we kind of have a baseline on how we feel about Nazis, right? And and we abhor them. But if I constantly call you a Nazi, And I've led people to believe that you are a Nazi and we all have this baseline of what Nazis are that then when I come to destroy you, you're not going to care because you're a Nazi. And it's all, it really is this desensitizing because there's no grace in him. So I'm just going to immediately character assassinate you, forget that you're made in God's image and just remove the grace that even if you even if you faltered and made a mistake, there's no grace. There's no forgiveness there. There's none of that. And, and ultimately, we are. As a society, be, and Keith, you're spot on. The sort of the 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 removal of God, or at least the attempt to remove God, and definitely to remove God from the public square and schools and all of that. Um, we are we are we are in a Titus two moment 
where to, to bring back manhood and or masculinity, right? It, it's ultimately that call that as as older men, not just our children or our, you know, nephews or whatever, but we have to be modeling it and showing it and encouraging younger men. And younger men need to be seeking it from older men. You know, I, I, I think that I learned a lot about being a man from a man in my neighborhood, you know, not even, you know, from my, because my, I, I struggled with my stepfather because I didn't like the same things he did and, you know, and, and all this, but there was a, there was an older man in my neighborhood who really taught me what it is, you know, for the most part to be a man. And, you know, and, and so I, there's an opportunity for each and every one of us, right. To do that, that we have to, we just have to embrace that. And, and we've fallen off that, that way. Right. Because now in, in, cause you talked about it before, like, you know, telling me, mm -hmm. telling me that you love me or embracing. And so many times like men don't do that and it's kind of shunned, but also I think it's even shunned now because society immediately goes to then that if you're two men and you hug and embrace that there's a sexual thing, think about Jonathan and David, how many times do they use Jonathan David to prove that the Bible condones same-sex yeah. relationships that Jonathan and David did not have a sexual relationship at all. They loved each other. They were brothers. Like they would die for each other. Absolutely. You know, there's nothing, there was nothing sexual about it whatsoever. You know, and you, uh, you brought up the, the man in your neighborhood. We were Henry, we were, we were driving around Ohio County. Um, actually, I think we we're leaving my, my family Christmas. I was, talking to to my wife and kids about some different places I lived as a kid. We, we moved around quite a bit um, for in a short amount of time. Um, but my mom and her ex-husband, my sister's dad, me and my sister, we, we moved in, we, we were struggling financially. And so this, it's called the Hill, or at least that's what it was called when I was a kid, primarily African-American part of, of the town that, that we lived in. They had a, a Methodist church that had a parsonage. Um, and so we rented that parsonage. And as we were moving in, we were getting some some nasty looks from some of the older people that lived around there. And then out of nowhere, this old this old African-American man just walked in. You know, everybody's like bringing in boxes out of the back of the truck. And I'm standing there in the way because I'm eight, don't know what to do. And I'm bored and I just want to go play and. Um, because I had friends in the neighborhood from school. And this eight, I turned does around. Does eight have anything to do with that? No, no <laughs> it happened at 38 too. Um, but so the, I turn around and there's this guy that I've never seen before, this this old black dude standing in my living room, and he's like, What are you doing? I said, uh, Papa. And Papa turns the corner and goes, Oh, it's just Nolan. And so the guy was like, What are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm standing here. He goes, Well, you're in the way. I said, yeah. He goes, you like baseball? I said, oh, I love baseball. Well, come with me. Uh, and again, I'm like, I, I don't know this man. Yeah. And I, I reckon in today's terms, this would be rather sketchy. But like, Papa nodded. And so I just went with him. I went to his house and he gave me an RC Cola. And we sat on his couch and watched baseball. And, you know, he would tell me story upon story of baseball. And he goes, you go to church? I said, no, sir, we don't, we don't go to church. He said, all right, well, you do. I'll be, I'll pick you up for church. I said, oh, where do you go? And he goes, you're next door. 
I said, oh, okay. He, asked, he goes, I'll be there at, at nine o'clock. You be ready. Shirt and tie. I said, I don't have a shirt and tie. And he goes, well, nice clothes. I said, okay. And from that moment on, as long as I lived in that house, every Sunday he would walk me across the yard. And I went to the old senior adult male Sunday school class. I didn't go to the kids class. I was in the men's choir. I was in the children's choir. And I went Sunday night, Wednesday night, Sunday morning. He he made sure to come get me and take me. And if I w didn't know what I learned about in Sunday school, he would berate me because I didn't pay attention and that was rude. Now, do I agree with that denomination's theology right now? No. Probably not. But was that a solid foundation to start me on? And... And for a man who had didn't know me from Adam, but saw that there was a need and a void that needed to be filled, and that 70-some-year-old man decided he was going to step up and take it, that was awesome, dude. Yeah. And somehow we've lost that. And maybe it is yeah. fear that we will not Because I, that. I tell you what, if, if so the house next to us is for sale. Um, hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah. Um, and so let's say a family moved in tomorrow, right? And I were to walk in and there's a little little eight-year-old boy playing. And I was like, what are you doing? Or, you come or over and watch baseball? Or a 50-year-old man. Right. And hey, what are you doing? You want to come over and watch baseball? I guarantee you police are being called. Right? I can't. You just can't do that anymore. No. Well, I mean, your situation was a little bit different. You acknowledged your papa, and he nudged at you and said it was okay to go. He he knew the guy. If you just walk up to some random, he kid, knew him as in he knew his name, like knew who he was. Yeah. Didn't oh, know okay. anything. Really didn't. I mean, it's not like it was a family friend, oh, but still, okay. like it was it was a different different time. Yeah, you know, well, it, it, and not everybody was on such high alert like we are now. Yeah, but and, we've and, lost we've lost the idea of neighboring too. Right. Well, look you at that. neighbor. There's I don't no know front they, porches; they're all yeah. back porches. Do they have that? Because like the way they build houses out here now, they're, they're they call them slot homes, and they're sideways. You literally have to go like off the side to go in your house. There's no front porch. You don't see your neighbors. You hardly have windows. You know, and I grew up in a pretty big city, but my neighborhood, I almost equate my neighborhood to a small town because you know if you acted up, like the mailman would smack me in the back of the head. Look, my grandfather told me when I was in high school, your name is the only thing that I can give you that's worth something. And he goes, and I've worked real hard for my for your last name to mean something. And so when I tell you that I have people everywhere, I mean it. And that, that stuck with me because I did a few stupid things in high school that most of which we can't speak about on this show. But I did some stupid things in the high school. Paywall's and paywall's coming. And it always got back to Jerry. I never knew how Pepal figured it out. And then I was like, all right, so me and Dr. Wife moved to Iowa. And then uh, this little old lady comes up to me and she's like, where did you say you're from? I said, small town in Kentucky. I said, nobody would hear. It's, from, it's Ohio County. We go by counties. Uh, I, was, I was in Ohio County. She goes, oh, you know, I, I was born and raised in Hartford. I said, oh, she goes, who's your family? I said, oh, you wouldn't know them. I said, uh, my my grandparents were Jerry and Brenda Crow. 
and the lady st stood there. Now we're in Cedar Falls, Iowa. That is 12 hours away. And she looks at me and goes, she delivered newspapers, her and her sister. Oh. I said, y yes, ma'am. Her sister did Hartford and Memo did Beaverdam. Yeah, I knew I, they were Ashburns. I, I knew them well. And then started telling me stuff about my family that I didn't know. Then I moved to Terre Haute. And uh, yeah, Chad introduces me to this little church in Hymera, High, Indiana. And I'm, you know, helping pastor that church for a little while. And they start talking about uh, when they went on this mission trip to the Oneida Baptist Institute. Mm -hmm. And this old, crazy man with no teeth, who was just the funniest thing they'd ever met, but he would give them jobs to do. And I thought, wow, that was what Pepal did at OBI. And I said, hey, did he look like this? And I hold up a picture on my phone. Well, that's him. That's Jerry. I said, my God. <laughs> he wasn't lying when he said he had people everywhere. Yeah. So, yeah, but we, we don't neighbor anymore, man. No. No, back in the day, you know, you can go out and play, be like, be back home when the porch lights come on. Like, we have a playground that's like 100 yards from the house. I won't let my kids go down there and play by themselves. No, yeah. I'm just now letting Turner go up to his friend's house without me going and watching him standing on the corner. Does your vocation, does your job influence that? If you didn't do what you did for a living, would would you maybe oh. willing to let them go or maybe no, think about even it? if I didn't do what I do for a living, yeah. I'd probably still be like that because the world we live in nowadays, right. it's all over. At least said you're always on high alert. Yeah. It, it's just, you know, like so we removed ourselves from God. There's no grace. And like, you know, it's kind of shown in society. You know, we, you know, human trafficking is up. There's all this stuff about, you know, child stuff from Epstein and everything all over the place. Yeah. Getting you canceled before that will get you canceled now. No. <laughs> no, and I think really that as parents, that affects us, right? As, as yep. dads, as men, because we're on high alert, we want to make sure our, our babies are safe. Well, exactly. But I think that also it affects the kids. Because they're forced to grow up a lot faster. When yeah, I was sure. a kid, and I would, I I would go until the streetlights came on, and I knew exactly how far I could go, and I would stretch those boundaries. But I look at how far away from home I went as a kid when I lived yeah. in town, and I just giggle because there's no way my kids are going that far. No, they'd be out of Wi-Fi range. I mean, I'm not picking on your kids. I'm just kids in general. No, they'd absolutely. Have, they'd have no signal. Absolutely. And so, and so the, you know, Turner for the longest of day, why can't I do this? You know, other kids are doing this. Other kids are doing this. And I was like, well, buddy, other kids' parents don't have the same rules that we have, but here's why I have these rules. And so I, you know, uh, full disclosure, I'm, I'm no longer working at PNP. Um, but so when we had this conversation, I was still there in the office and I was like, look, you know, there are people out there that are not good people and that do things to kids that shouldn't be done. And, you know, they come across as super nice, but then stuff happens. And, and I use very kid appropriate language when explaining it to them, but now like some innocence is gone, right? Like there's some innocence in knowing that you lose some innocence when you find out that the world isn't full of good people. Yeah. 
and, and even that, and like he even he knew that not everybody was good, but when you think of bad people and you're a kid, bank robbers and cartoony bad stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Or you think of murderers uh, because you see that on the news, and you don't even know that scale though of what. Yeah, that you, truly and you means. don't really quite understand what you that don't understand means. the depravity, right? Um, but I think you know that that took away some of his innocence and. And now he's had to grow up a little faster than what he what I would have liked. And I think that's a duality of being a father, probably a parent in general. But I just the duality of being a father is you want them to maintain that innocence as long as humanly possible, but yet you don't want them to be naive and go out in the world and think everything you know everybody's going to be my friend. Absolutely, well, exactly. Like I'll admit I'm hard on my kids, but. I always tell them all the time, I'm like, I'm hard on you because I love you. If I didn't care, I would just let you do whatever you wanted to do. But I do care, so I'm hard on you because I want you to be good people. I don't want you to be victimized. And yeah. I, want, you know, I want you to I expect good things out of you. And and honestly, that's biblical. Amen. We're, Amen. We're, that's how we're supposed to be. Well, that's a good word, gentlemen. Keith, what's going on at the Forge? You got anything good going on? I know um, you've got that knife show coming up in March, right? Yeah, I might have to postpone that uh, because okay. my sister has brain surgery, might have brain surgery coming oh, up. I'm sorry to hear that. So if she has brain surgery, I'm going to have to go out to California to take care of her. So right now okay. it's playing by ear. But I do have uh, something I would like to announce, and it's going to be the first time here so you can do your did 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 it. Wait. Dun, 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 Breaking dun, dun, news dun, 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 dun. tonight on the Hillbilly and the Hipster. Take it away, Keith. I'm going to start this thing called Dibs List on my Instagram account. So I will post things up, um, what I'm making and all that. And then like when it's getting ready, if you want in, you just type in Dibs and I'll take a list. And then when it's done, I'll go down the list. First person I'll contact after 12 hours. They don't, I don't hear back from them. I'll go on to the next person, so on and so forth. That way, I uh, get around some of the Etsy fees, but I can also sell some of the more uh, sharp, pointy things without you know getting banned on Instagram and that. Oh, the, those things I was so freely talking about a few episodes ago. Car knives. Yes. <laughs> you need a vehicle knife. <laughs> Actually, now I, I also need like a throwing hatchet because I, I think that – I want to join an axe throwing league because I really do believe that if I'm in the worst team in the axe throwing league, it'll be the most manly thing I've ever done in my life. Throwing axes isn't that hard. It's just all about your momentum. Oh yeah, I've, got, I've never. I'm. Can we do that? When, when, next time we're all together, can we throw? Oh yeah, that, if you come oh, out yeah. here, there's a there's a place I go to out here. It's great. There's a place I think there's here. one pretty close to here, isn't there? Yeah, I've been there a few times. Yeah, so when you come out in March or whatever, we'll just all get together and go. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, I got Do a some bunch of and knives and all that. All right, so the dibs list. I'm going to get on this dibs list, and that'll be on yep. your Instagram account? Yep, it'll be on my Instagram is, account. Is I'm that the one that has the abundance? That is Saint uh, underscore underscore Galgano underscore Armory. It's a lot of underscores, bro. It's a lot of underscores, <laughs> but it's just it didn't look right when it was all just one word. Yeah. He's he's well, an underscore kind of guy. <laughs> so yeah, check out Saint Galgano Armory. That, like you said, Instagram is um, at Saint underscore Galgano underscore Armory. You can connect with uh, Keith 
and everything he's doing on X at St. Galgano. And again, the Etsy shop, stgalganoarmory.etsy.com. Was well, a good yeah. work, gentlemen. No, it was good to good to all be together again, man. We got to do this more often. Yeah, I think so. And God's always a good word. Amen. Oh, come again. Was and I do want to encourage you if if you if you listen on Apple or Spotify, and I think those are ones that we'd appreciate. You give us a, a five star review. Drop us maybe a, a a note of encouragement or anything topics you want. You could connect with us on X at Hill Hipster Pod. Actually, on all on the socials, both X and Instagram. The handle is at Hill Hipster Pod. You can email us. You could, as a one famous immortal man once said, hit us up on the Gmail at, and our address is hillhipsterpod at gmail.com. And I do want to encourage you to this. Um, we're going to have a, a special episode that's going to come out in a couple of weeks. Um, we're going to have uh, what is tentatively titled as the wives episode. Our wives are going to be on with us. And if you want to know, what goes on behind the curtain in, in Andy and my lives, you can uh, you can either hit us up on, on any of the socials or email us your your questions, any any kind of uh, talking points you want for, for any episode, but particularly for the wives episode. We're going to put the so wives here, on here's the, the deal. Dr. Wife is the most introverted person until you're making fun of me. <laughs> so and then life. it's like everything comes off and she is so stinking comfortable so I, I think i told you this story uh not on the show but uh a couple of weeks ago somebody that i know and, and you know loosely that you've met who i've known for a while uh, may have drank a little too much and just really starts tearing into me on my my worldview and and things that like i you know basically trying to to get at me for being like to basically say that I'm I'm hateful because I'm a Christian or because of what I do as a vocation but without saying those words I I knew at the point he was driving at and you know and there was a time in my life without Jesus I would have retaliated you know oh absolutely and, but I didn't realize this about my wife like she was ready to throw down like she was going to take him and throw him through the window in this place. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Dr. Wife may make fun of me, but if anybody else does, <laughs> make I, I get a pass. So, well, Amen. Yeah. My wife's the same way. And that's, I mean, I think that's, you You could want nothing more. So have we said we're, is this, are we saying we're all married to Peggy Hills? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Her, my wife's feet are much smaller than Peggy. <laughs> uh, she's gonna kill me. My wife's aren't. <laughs> my wife is way hotter than Peggy Hill. <laughs> it's not like a youth pastor. Thank you for my smoking hot wife. Hashtag. <laughs> I married way out of my league. I was very blessed. I think we all did. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so hit us up if you uh any talking points, questions, but look for that in a couple of weeks. We're gonna have the the wives, the wives episode. And and Andy, we're gonna have to be, I'm just gonna make a shout out to uh one of our faithful listeners to Melinda. Uh Melinda's gonna start a new a new job where she's gonna be working third shift. So we're gonna have to be some consistent with our scheduled delivery. So Melinda's got something to listen to overnight Rock it out, Melinda. while she's up. Go do great things. <laughs> Look, I've got some topics that I want to discuss anyway, so we we'll be we'll be putting them out here pretty quick. So. Yeah, I got some too. 
All right. Well, gentlemen, I, I want to leave us with this tonight, talking about men. And, and, and this is from Paul's right into the Corinthians of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13. Be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Amen. Amen. Farewell, Dr. Guys. Fire Nation. <laughs> All right. Be blessed, guys. We love you. Be blessed. And remember, if not a Christian nation, whose nation? Dun, dun, dun. Where's the record button to stop it? Thank you.